Welcome to the EMS Improv Podcast, where we engage, where we are mindful, and we share or tell our stories. I'm Eric Chase, and we are powered by GEMS. On today's podcast, we have a gentleman that has held various ranks in, in several fire departments in the Colorado, or the state of Colorado, excuse me. He's been an adjunct faculty. He is a chief fire officer uh, training, executive fire officer training. He has his master's in public administration. He is the current fire chief for Prescott, Arizona, which is the oldest fire department in Arizona, if I recall. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Holger Durr. Holger is also the operations advisor for the All Clear Foundation, where we are improving mental health for first responders and their families. Holger Durr, um, thank you very much for your time. And I know that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the All Clear Foundation today and, and resources for the cumulative list of first responders that you guys help. Um, all the partnerships and various sponsorships that you guys have in order to be successful and continue to grow and get these apps into people's hands and the content that are saving lives or at least helping people um, have better success, uh, better thrive and, and feel like they actually matter within their families and their communities and their departments. So Holger, thank you very much for taking the time to be here and representing the All Clear Foundation. Obviously, you're also representing as your fire chief, but we won't we won't discuss any of the roles specifically to that today. But thank you for your time and and, uh, and energy, and we appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks, Eric. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's always great to have the chance to talk about the work of the All Clear Foundation, because as you mentioned, it's uh, an area that in all uh, emergency response professions and also in their volunteers, we consider uh, that professional just like we do the folks that get paid um, mental health and resiliency um, uh, addiction treatment and things of that nature are in our opinion one of the next frontiers of uh, whole responder health and as you mentioned yeah we, we're lucky at the all clear foundation uh, to have the amazing support of uh, a lot of large sponsors such as nascar at&t FirstNet, uh, sondermind abbott labs um, and those folks really help us uh, amplify what's a fairly small staff um, in our nonprofit to deliver things to the end users. And I, I would say probably that's the biggest thing that I want to emphasize right now. You mentioned a couple of digital resources. And while we have an amazing offering of in-person resources like train the trainer mental health curriculums, um, family workshops, resiliency, um, I would say our digital offerings are just as, if not more effective, depending on the audience. And one particular audience of how you and I met is we're currently engaging in a focus study um, on our um, digital platforms. Um, we have two specific digital platforms. Uh, one is Bonder Relate, uh, and that's an app-based platform that you can get uh, in both the uh, Android as well as the Apple uh, app stores. And then also You Responder Strong, which is our main website um, that uh, is a little bit more comprehensive than the Responder Relate. It's not just a chat room. There's a lot of resources on there, goal planning, uh, wellness. Uh, and then one of the things that's on that platform and that also makes us, I think, unique in this space is that we also focus on the family. Uh, we know that the impact that emergency response can have on home life is significant. And 
I think in the past, um, you know, things in this nature used to respond to exactly that. It responded to the responder when they were already in crisis. And we're trying to recognize more and more how we can put offerings in front of folks that help them before those crises ever hits. And the family unit is obviously a significant support and they need support as well. And so we're pretty proud that we can, um, you know, offer families good resources, both locally as well within our digital platforms that help them uh, as much as they help uh, their loved one who's in the emergency response profession. Holger, thank you for that information. And a couple areas that I'd like to touch upon before we delve into others was how we met and why we met. And, and I think the re receptiveness of the Alcler Foundation, uh, Rhonda Kelly, the executive director yourself, and, and the panel that you guys have put together with Global Medical Response um, to kind of really hammer this out there and, and push it to people, the end users, uh, the family, is because you really want this to be something that works, that, that's tangible, that's real. And the U-Responder and the Relate uh, tool uh, are, are things that you guys are fine tuning, you're listening to responders. Um, we had a great one hour of significant uh, input from other people from across the country. And you were actually, I mean, people like, well, was he taking notes? Yeah, taking notes, it was recorded. You guys can go back and, and uh, going back to your IT staff and, and talking about how interactive it can be or how, how much more interactive it should be. And then also how to gain the participation or, the, or encourage uh, a first responder like myself to actually use the app. And I just wanna say thank you for that opportunity and for people that just think that you know, these, these tools are high and lofty ideas without any real concern for the person. You guys are continually evolving and looking at how to better um, make these on a, on a quarterly, daily, monthly basis when you'll take notes. So that I just wanna say thank you for that and, and the opportunity to come out and talk about the All Clear Foundation. Yeah, you bet. And, and that, as you mentioned, that focus group, um, one of the uh, synergies that was created that caused that project to come about was that uh, the Health and Human Services uh, at the federal level gave us a $2 million grant for a two-year time period, particularly to address post-COVID fatigue and burnout uh, in rural responders in, in specifically. And I guess one thing to take a quick detour here on, on responders, the All Clear Foundation also is unique because we see emergency responders globally uh, as a term of our stakeholder audience. You know, a lot of folks in public safety focus on what I would call the big four, right? Dispatch, fire, law, and EMS. And All Clear wants to focus on anyone that has any type of exposure around emergency response. So that might be coroners, victims, advocates, property and evidence technicians, nursing staff, allied health, support staff. And I think, you know, those are sometimes forgotten because they're not in the big shiny truck going down the road with lights and sirens on, um, but their trauma is just as real. Their trauma is just as significant and they need those supportive resources as well. The second piece of that grant, uh, and I mentioned that, is that it is meant to particularly target rural providers. As you know, in larger metropolitan areas these days, there are a lot more resources than there used to be. In-person therapy groups, 
um, trauma-informed and uh, culturally competent uh, clinicians, things like that that deal with emergency responders, I think much better than they have in the past. However, that's not necessarily the case in rural areas where sometimes because of the population density issues, lack of awareness, uh, you know, lack of support uh, maybe from the departments, those resources aren't as readily available. And so we wanted to really know how our digital offerings were being received by that diverse audience and specifically also if they were useful uh, to emergency responders. One thing we realized early on, and we kind of knew this before we set out to do this focus group, is that these digital offerings are as much our brand as our people are. Um, so the way that somebody experiences the All Clear Foundation for a while may simply be in a digital offering. And in emergency response, being credible and having a trusted resource that doesn't waste somebody's time is so vital. And we knew that we had to reach out to the stakeholders that would use the platform to get that feedback, not just to make our product better, but it was also uh, a secondary intent for us to build credibility in marketing. Because I feel strongly that if we listen to our stakeholders and we're relevant and we continue to push being relevant, that is going to up our credibility, which in the end is what makes the tools useful. Um, and when somebody's in crisis, they have that initial level of trust that they know they can use those tools and they're going to be effective when uh, an emergency responder is in crisis. And so that's the, the nexus behind uh, our focus groups. But we quickly also figured out what you'd already mentioned. <clears throat> um, uh, Rhonda and the team, and uh, we, we all met and said, you know what, this is really a good thing for us to do on a regular basis, almost town hall style. And so we plan on carrying those focus groups forward. Um, to continue to get that feedback, but also to market our platforms, to market our tools, and to be in contact with our customer base. Um, so that's a very, very um, important part of this project. While it might seem on the surface that it's market research, uh, in all reality, it's also making sure that we're credible and that we market our tool to the appropriate audience. So that's the background of it. Okay, uh, wonderful. So with the apps themselves, and, and, and I've been on both the Responder and the Relate app um, and find that uh, the tools and the, and the education opportunities and kind of the self-assessment have been important. And most recently here in Oklahoma, uh, a small rural department has, uh, <laughs> has suffered the loss of both the fire chief and uh, lieutenant uh, and their department of seven full-time law enforcement officers and about 15 total. Um, so we've we've lost two to um, the death uh, of COVID-related illness, and, and it's mm -hmm. seriously uh, life-altering, obviously to the families of those loved ones, but to the community and the fire and the EMS agency that we support them and they support us. So the resources and the tools, I, I've kind of plugged in a little bit more. Um, in order to kind of self be more self-aware and, and do a better self-assessment of where I was emotionally, um, physically, lack of sleep, too much alcohol, those types of things, and, yep. and, and how to relate to other people that might have those same issues or how to connect with them. And a lot of times it's them in, initializing or, or coming to that on their own without being told, because a lot of times we tell people go to bleep, right? 
you know, I don't have an issue. I don't have a problem. But when they can kind of, when they know these apps are available, they can kind of do an initial self-assessment on their own without even necessarily realizing that they're doing that. They can see some of these warning signs or red flags that, that uh, show up and, and maybe they can realize that they need help without somebody else telling them. We did the, you know, the CISM, we had the team meetings, um, we check in on everybody. But one of the things that I'd like to be able to bring back more specifically and prominently to the, to the department is, are these apps and maybe even some train the trainer stuff for a couple members of each of the agencies, both EMS, the fire and the law enforcement community that, that serves here. We've had great support by the other law enforcement and fire EMS agencies around us. But, you know, that wanes over time, right? Because we all have to get back to our lives and how we can sustain and support one another with tools and resources, I think is really going to be important. So off the side, if there are any other resources that, that you might know or how I can better plug them in from a training standpoint, uh, both the chief at the fire department or the interim chief and the fire department and the police department, you know, maybe getting them more on board from an official letterhead or, or an email from you might be wonderful to kind of just share with them the resources. You know, coming from me, you know, they obviously listen, but when a fire chief from another organization that recognizes the need. Um, so if that's something that you'd be willing to do, I can get you their email addresses offline and uh, maybe you could send the links or, or the All Clear Foundation information to them so that they can share them or disseminate that to each one of their members and the family members of their departments as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, before I get into that, uh, again, I wanted to uh, pass on my condolences to you and uh, the community, the department. Uh, that's a significant loss in any organization, but uh, smaller organizations like that are even more tight knit. And so we recognize the significant impact and loss that that creates. So um, definitely um, just want to make sure I reiterate that on on that front, you bring up a really key point that we've also found out through these focus groups. But again, we also somewhat intrinsically knew that. And that is the word of mouth marketing. Um, first responders and emergency responders <clears throat> are by their nature not necessarily trusting of these types of modalities, um, especially if they're from the outside. Uh, they want to know that they're speaking to a trusted resource, somebody that's been there, a place where they don't get in trouble uh, if they share something difficult. And so um, I'm absolutely grateful to do that for your community, uh, as well as Rhonda um, and the rest of the All Clear staff. If there's any connections that we can leverage like that, personal relationships, we're more than willing to make the phone call, spend the time, um, and, and do word of mouth marketing, so to speak, there. Um, they're also very welcome. Uh, we'd love to have more folks um, join our focus groups. They create great organic discussions that make our offerings better. But then also that helps those folks build that credibility. And we hope that they're the ones that then uh, turn right around and pay it forward um, and encourage others uh, to utilize the tools and sign up for them. Um, I would say for any of your listeners right now, the easiest way really to kind of get a, a dip in the water is either to go into the app store and download Responder Relate or to go onto the website and Google All Clear Foundation, you Responder Strong, 
um, and our website will pop up with all of those resources. And um, those are both free tools. That's the other thing I really want to emphasize. This does not cost the department anything. It doesn't cost uh, the individual or the end user anything. Um, and that's one of the things that really hopefully reduces one of the barriers um, for folks utilizing these resources is that thanks in the large part to our incredibly supportive sponsors that I mentioned earlier, we're able to put these types of resources at the fingertips of emergency responders. Um, and you, you know, the other thing that I think is, is important here to mention in terms of those digital resources, as you mentioned, you know, the immediate uh, um, crisis in your community, uh, the initial shock is over and you know, now, the, now what starts? Well, I think that there's really two significant phases that we need to talk about. Um, unfortunately, I think it's a reality in emergency response that um, the, the new normal, so to speak, that settles in after a tragedy, unfortunately, sometimes can be the setup for the next challenge or the next crisis. And making sure that an emergency responder throughout their career recognizes the fact that just like us getting on a treadmill and eating healthy, that these types of maintenance uh, activities that we have to do when we're not in crisis are probably more important even than the crisis intervention tools, because they're the ones really that don't just have a good impact on letting you retire happy and healthy and manage your work life better. But in the end, it actually has a significant impact on all aspects of your life, personal life included. Uh, I mentioned the family earlier. Um, and I think really, I just want to emphasize that point right now is that while crisis tends to drive folks to our tools, we hope that they stay engaged. Um, and even the folks that may have not had a significant crisis like the one that you faced in your community recently, we hope that those folks recognize that too and become proactive. Um, that involves a lot of cultural change in almost all facets of emergency response to include in this training being um, administered to uh, new recruits in their academies or during their new hire orientation, depending on where they work. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I emphasize that point that that maintenance uh, is probably more important than the crisis response, because as we all know, by the time a crisis has happened, the trauma is already impacted the individual and they've gotten to a place where they can no longer cope. And so um, we hope that we can also be a great resource for folks in between or before uh, those events so that we can support them throughout the entire journey of their uh, emergency response career. Holger, thank you for sharing that. And it's funny, all these feelings are, are going through my body right now. And I'm thinking, yeah, we're the ones that are supposed to be out there helping people. We don't ask for help. We don't need help. And then, then you talk about the commitment to the rural communities where they're kind of different and yet salt of the earth kind of people, um, not, not to assuage uh, our, our brothers and sisters in, in the super urban areas, you know, where, where obviously trauma is still trauma and, and we all suffer the effects of it. But there's something different also about the communities that, that this incident in particular happened in and the areas that I know you're trying to serve because the lack of resources, one, and the lack of overall maintenance. And when, when the prevailing wind is that I've got this, I don't need the help. Um, it, that's a hard uh, shell or armor to get through. And I love what you'd mentioned 
kind of like the, the one person being the example for the other one. And if you share that you're using this app or you found this or if it comes from within the department, um, I think it, it, it's much more well-received. One of the officers that um, in regards to the, to the, uh, the multiple deaths that we had in, in Union City, Oklahoma here, um, they had asked whether or not they should go to the CISM meeting. And I said, well, I believe you should from the standpoint of hearing at least other people convey their feelings and thoughts from the standpoint of when the person that's hurting the most recognizes that you went and that's a person that you communicate with on a regular basis, you're showing direct and indirect leadership by making that step or, or showing that vulnerability. And I think that one of the things that we can do in, in partnering with all clear foundation and, and all of your sponsors and partners is that showing that leadership and because this is responder um, service provided these aren't we you know you guys didn't just you know wish this out there you know this is an organization built and designed by responders and for peer-to-peer -peer support so you know it's not just a psychologist or psychiatrist and, and a counselor that kind of put this together. You guys have put it together with science and psychology and, and all these other tenets of wellness. Uh, and, I, and I love the piece on, on um, with Abbott Nutrition, uh, you know, how we can better just take care of our temples, our bodies, the mental, mm -hmm. the emotional, and the physical. So we have gone over a lot of stuff in a, in a relatively short period of time. I don't think we've made uh, 30 minutes yet. One of the things that uh, I find that's really important with the All Clear Foundation is that you do do a train the trainer uh, periodically. And what does that mean from a standpoint of somebody that does that eight hour course and how can they better serve the organization or their region by having gone through that course? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. <clears throat> so the train trainer curriculum that we offer, uh, the primary intent, just like its name implies, is that we take a time-tested, evidence-based curriculum um, that, as you mentioned, addresses not just the clinical side of things, but also is culturally competent, is trauma-informed, and helps folks in an agency then deliver that curriculum forward. We give it away freely. So if somebody signs up for our training the trainer curriculum, um, it, it, you know, we'll walk them through the key components of it. And then at the end of that course, um, they leave um, the class, not just with, uh, with a certificate in hand, but they also leave with all of our curriculum. And so when we update that curriculum, those folks are on uh, our uh, uh, trainer cadre list. Um, and when updates are made, uh, folks can download those updated materials. So that's always the most recent edition. And they can take that into their agency and use it in any way they see fit as long as they're following the curriculum. Uh, we even wouldn't mind if somebody were to be compensated, for instance, while they were delivering our curriculum. What we really want to make sure is that that curriculum gets out there. And what, what it's intended to do is not necessarily to train somebody to be a peer support specialist. Um, we're not in that 
uh, certification business per se, but what it's really meant to do is for somebody that is in peer support um, to be able to then deliver a awareness curriculum to their department that um, spans that spectrum that you were just referring to, that this is about nutrition, this is about sleep, this is about, yes, absolutely accessing clinical resources. This is about physical exercise. Um, it is that whole responder idea, bringing the whole person to work that we're really um, pushing in that curriculum. And then obviously the more um, traditional things that you might expect to see, you know, what happens when you see a coworker uh, go through a tough time? Are they withdrawing? Uh, do they show signs of suicidality? Um, you know, are there things that, that cause you concern? And we try to raise the awareness through that curriculum so that folks, when they do identify those things or face a challenge, they know where to turn uh, for the resources. And they have a lot of those conversations, both at the departmental leadership level, but also at the line level. Um, so it's not during the crisis that you're trying to scramble and figure this out. Um, we've noticed that Every time we deliver that curriculum, it's the, the waterfall cascade conversations that happen that seem to be the most valuable. You know, things like a question that's asked by a person in the audience leads to another question by somebody else. They listen to that conversation, which sparks something that happened in their organization or a need that they're trying to fill that they hadn't even thought about. Uh, until that conversation happened. And so we're really looking at that as much of a, a didactic delivery uh, as it is a facilitation, right? And the facilitation of a conversation. And you mentioned something at the beginning of this question that I think is, is now is probably a good time to really quickly address it. Um, and that's stigma. Um, one of the biggest barriers to care um, and competent care in our profession remains to this day a stigma, stigma associated with addiction, with mental health. Um, and those are really uh, more daunting to overcome at times than the illness itself. And um, you're absolutely 100% right. Uh, leadership, uh, you know, there's a responsibility uh, in, in leadership and emergency response at any time. But on this topic, I personally see this as one of the most significant challenges that the emergency response professions are facing uh, in the 21st century. And that is in large part due to that stigma. Um, you know, pre-entry higher requirements and um, the you know, somewhat male-dominated culture in some emergency professions tend to drive these more subjective, soft things down to a level where it, it's not okay to talk about. And we're trying to do that with the All Clear Foundation, but I can also tell you from my own personal experience as a leader, I'm trying to make it completely okay to talk about it. Uh, I'm living in recovery myself. Uh, and um, while at the time it was one of the most challenging things I've ever had to go through, um, both as a person as well as a professional, I am so glad looking back on it now that it's something that has made me better. It has made me stronger and it's made me a leader that is willing to, like you said, put an environment out there where I create that psychological safety uh, for uh, the folks in my organization and in other organizations that helps people say, yeah, you know what, me too. I want some help because I would much rather figure out a way to get an emergency responder the help that they need, or even better, um, facilitate uh, healthy coping mechanisms that are ongoing 
uh, through healthy social support, healthy connection, physical activity that's done together in groups, things of that nature, then I would either try to help somebody find resources in a crisis or worse yet, um, you know, having to go to a funeral um, of somebody who lost their battle um, with uh, these diseases uh, and they're treatable. You know, that's the thing. Um, I think it's, it's important to recognize that uh, it doesn't make somebody a less effective emergency responder, quite opposite. It makes them somebody that um, I would rather have in a fire station that can articulate a very well sounded response to, well, you went through a crisis, but what did you do about it? It's that last part, I think, that for me as a leader, I listen to more intently than the front part of it, of what, what is it that you are going through? Um, it's really the action phase and the willingness for somebody to recognize they have a problem and to engage in the ample amount of resources that you know, we have at our disposal um, to, to fix those problems. And you're absolutely right. Leadership is key around this issue. Um, you know, there's there's a multitude of issues and stigma that would make an entire different podcast for you and I to talk about. We won't really get into those here, but I think the point that's really uh, important to drive home here uh, to you know fellow fire chiefs in the audience and fellow leaders in emergency response is wrap your brain around this. You know, one person that I think outside of the emergency response profession that's really leading the way uh, is Brene Brown. Um, and a lot of uh, the principles that she talks about of getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, um, leaning into the awkward, you know, and I think she uses the term to rumble. Um, I think that's exactly what we need to do as a profession is to roll up our sleeves and be willing to have frank, honest, and non-judgmental conversations with each other around these issues because they're not new. You and I both know that. Um, and I know your listeners do as well. These are almost as longstanding as our professions themselves. And um, these are not things that are going to go away. Uh, they are simply a part of what we need to adjust. And for instance, in the fire service, having just tackled what we're tackling, I would say cardiac and cancer issues in a much better way. I think this too is the next uh big thing for us on the horizon in terms of wellness and the leaders in emergency response need to stand up, step to the line and do our part to make sure that we help lead our organizations through that transition. You, you hit all of the buzzwords and more that, that get my, you know, spirit going. Um, and you, and you said Brene Brown and, and, and her, her talking about <laughs> vulnerability we use a lot of her in the trainings that I do with the EMS um, improv stuff, but creating a psychologically safe environment and, and, and just leadership. And then the tenets of, of EMS improv, the podcast is engaging, being mindful, sharing, sharing your stories. And, and all of those kind of things are in CISM and, and they're all kind of developed in creating a relational interaction with people as opposed to just these transactional interactions where yes. I'm not just here for X, we're here for the entire comprehensive human being, right? Um, All Clear Foundation and your sponsors and, and supporters are there for the, the, the spirit, the heart, the mind, the body, the soul, and including every one of the lives that those individuals touch. And I've said this on every single podcast. We, we, we know this from everybody that's talked about their stories, from Chris Fields to um, Jason Patton to Ryan Woodard, 
uh, firefighters and EMS professionals around the country that have suffered significant trauma. Most of that mm-hmm. trauma was something that they had in their early life and it became cumulative, right? And for them to finally be vulnerable and have that strength and vulnerability and recognize the fact that hurt people hurt people, um, you guys are trying to initiate a comprehensive plan and, 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 and there are good organizations out there but you immediately recognize that 70% of the fire population or professional firefighters aren't paid professional firefighters. And you know, a lot of help organizations miss that, that mark. Um, when law enforcement, the average age post-retirement is 57, uh, they're succumbing to whatever illnesses, death, um, mm-hmm. fatigue and stress. And that the 10 times uh, of a suicidality or, or, or thought of suicide in EMS professionals uh, than, the, than the regular population or the you know, general population, you guys are hitting these targets. Uh, as you said, similar to like the cancer treatment uh, or, or cancer clean, you know, cleaning your, your bunker gear after coming back from a fire, having a second set of bunker gear you know, departments spending that money on infrastructure so that we're hopefully saving lives in the future and reducing healthcare costs. And however an organization looks at at a benefit, a life is a life and that should always be. And that's what All Clear Foundation is looking for, uh, forward to helping uh, create better opportunities for people to live their lives, find more joy, um, engage better with the people around them and have happier and and feel more successful. So, yeah, that's so. absolutely true. And I think you mentioned a, a really key point there around the volunteer uh, workforce. And that's obviously uh, extremely prevalent in EMS and in fire around the country. And, you know, the professional uh, emergency responders have a little bit of an advantage there on, on a couple of fronts. Number one, usually the resources assigned to agencies that are fully paid are, or even you know combination with a focus on paid tend to have more support uh, for these types of things. But the other thing that those emergency responders have uh, both to a detriment and to an advantage, depending on how you look at it, is the ability to compartmentalize. You know, where you have EMS and volunteer folks, their community um, is their uh, emergency response uh, profile. They, they sit at the kitchen table on a holiday when the pager goes off and run a call on a neighbor you know, down the street. And that's a different set of stress that I think a lot of paid respond- responders can conceptualize, but not necessarily internalize of how that unique aspect of the volunteer fire service and the volunteer EMS service impacts those folks. And I think that's, that, that can't be dismissed. Another thing that you mentioned um, is, you know, around the stigma, uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen that meme uh, on social media where, and I think, I can't remember, it was, it was a quote that uh, uh, a fairly large corporate leader said a few years ago, and it was, well, we should train our, our folks um, as much as we can uh, so that if they choose to, they could, you know, leave our, um, uh, our business or our corporation or our agency um, or organization. Um, and somebody says, well, yeah, but what if, you know, what if you train them and they leave? And he says, well, what if you don't train them and they stay? Um, and in this is, there's a great parallel to be drawn here, right? Um, we have such a difficult time still today 
talking about these issues, you know, and things that you and I are involved in, uh, both through our vocation and our avocation on a regular basis is a little easier for us to talk about. But as we know, the average responder in the station, you know, in their hospital, in their squad car, in their ambulance, at their dispatch center, that's not something that comes as easily to them. And what I would contend, it's exactly the same uh, as that as that meme right or is that as that quote and that's sure it's difficult for us to talk about these issues and for leadership sometimes you may even have some fear that you know you're inviting risk into your organization that otherwise wouldn't be there i would contend it's exactly the opposite i think it's the risk that you assume on a regular basis every day if you don't talk about it it's much more significant and much more difficult to overcome than if you're in a very informed and objective, purposeful way, invite those conversations in. And you're absolutely correct. That's where the All Clear Foundation can come in. Um, and, you know, not only through our resources personally, but we also try to leverage uh, local resources throughout the country that are good at what they do, that uh, match our mission statement, that match our interests. Um, and are willing to collaborate with us because we know that uh, even as a nonprofit that's fairly well supported the way that we are, we have limitations and there's only so many things that we can do. Um, and so we're hoping that we're able to drive those conversations in a different way to help leaders feel safe having those conversations. And when they open up the conversation, that not only do they feel like they have the resources to rely on that help them engage in that, but also for their uh, folks in their organizations that they know that they're giving them uh, trusted, clinically proven, um, evidence-based resources that um, make a difference in the end. Well, thank you for all of that. You know, it's funny. I, I like how you flip kind of the risk assessment on its head, how a lot of people look at it. Uh, we're, we're only responding once the crisis hits. Um, and, and a lot of times, we see the preparedness piece in our profession or vocation or our, our work to mitigate things prior to them happening. Um, yet we won't do that in our own lives. So I like that you flip that risk assessment on its head and kind of say, people, um, this is when it's most important, you know, before a, a traumatic event, before a toxic event, before something that's catastrophic um, happens to you in your personal life and or within your organization. So I, I think that's, that's yeah, correct. I just I think it's very cool, um, and and how you bring it, and, and it's plain speak, and it's common language, and despite your levels of education and and you know your master's in public uh, administration, being a, an executive fire officer, a chief fire officer, all those things are great, and they give you a level or a platform that you hold um, your recovery. In, in your in your spirit, your soul, in higher esteem than you do these other um, tangible kind of objects, right? You know, yes, they have their intrinsic and, and implicit value, but to you, your spirit, your soul, your body, your mind in recovery, redemption, resilience um, is more important. And for you sharing that with our listeners and, and the people that they're going to hear this, and at the level of uh, profession that you are as an active in a current fire chief in, in Prescott, Arizona, I just can't say thank you enough. And, you know, you did allude to the fact that you and I, because of our vocation and our avocation or our profession are more inclined to be able to share. 
And I know that that's off-putting to people. I've actually had people tell me when I've done workshops, man, he's overbearing. And mm-hmm. so how, how can I be more mindful? And, and I want to be receptive to that. Our passion uh, should also not be the arbiter of another person's feelings. And I think that's where a lot of things get muddled, where um, when people hear these things, you know, they, we do this almost transference uh, or, or we see a projection of ourselves as opposed to the conversation that the person's sharing. It's kind of like going to uh, looking in a mirror when somebody else is talking, as opposed to hearing their words, you're looking at yourself and seeing yourself as, um, as an addict, as a failure, as, as whatever we see ourselves as. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I love that. And, it, and as you know, uh, uh, my organization has its fair share of trauma and its history and I think you just mentioned something so key. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, as, as passionate as we are, it's obviously easy to do exactly uh, that transference that you mentioned. Uh, but I think the thing that I learned personally throughout my own journey, uh, both my personal experience as well as watching the experience of others, everyone uh, has a individual and unique response, both to the profession as well as to the trauma that's in it. And it's unique to them. And I think finding a way to access what works for them and how they've absorbed something is just as important as saying we should talk about it. Um, and, and that makes it less binary, right? Because you don't just have the ability to say on a flow chart level, you know, I have a problem. I'm going to give you some inputs and I expect the problem to change. Almost like we do on the fire ground. You know, if I put more GPM at it, the fire should go out. Uh, Well, what if that fire doesn't need water, uh, so to speak, to use a a really strange analogy, Um, you know, or what if it's really not that big of a problem in context? And you have to give space for that individual uh, experience, that individual response and that individual responsibility. And I guess that's the last thing I want to say about that topic is that um, despite the fact that we all go through a significant amount of trauma in our careers, um, and I also love what you mentioned about coming into the profession with a lot of childhood trauma and some other things. Um, I think it's so important that we understand the responsibility each emergency responder has to themselves, to their family, and to other emergency responders to actively engage in that and not to deny and not to uh, withdraw. Um, and that's also part of the individuality, right? You can't force somebody to access these resources and follow through on them, but we should create an environment where we hold each other accountable in a loving and supportive way to continue to work on that. And when we don't see a response uh, and and behavior continues to go down a path that we know predictably uh, leads to poor outcomes, I think it's, uh, you know, our responsibility as a profession to support each other, not to shame um, and not to cajole, but support, guide, and lead. Um, you know, leadership, as you mentioned, comes at all levels. It's not just like you said about academic training and academic classes. It's lived experience. It's personal uh, passion. And it's also that sharing of responsibility that I think makes emergency response professions so unique. We have a responsibility not just to um, who we serve. We have a responsibility to each other. Um, and I think that's such a powerful, powerful Um, tool in responding and being resilient um, that we sometimes overlook. Um, So just wanted to make uh, sure I mentioned that as well. 
Well, Holger, I love what you said, and, and, and I'm going to echo this uh, by repeating it. We have a responsibility to each other, ourselves and each other. And the accountability piece is poignant. It's, it's, it feels threatening when you're in crisis. And at the same time, um, from, from the toddler to this 55-year-old or however old I am, I, I need to be held accountable whether it be by my, my manager, my wife, uh, you know, our grandkids need to be held accountable. We, we long as humans for structure. Um, you know, why do we have protocols and SOPs and SOGs? It's to give us an opportunity to stay within kind of a, a safety net. And when you have experiential knowledge or academic knowledge that kind of goes outside of that, if you're able to use that matriculate outside of those, then wonderful. But you have a, a foundational support systems to help you grow beyond where you are. And, it, and it's baby steps in some cases, and some people have done this well. Um, in, in preparing to wrap up here, and I wanna go over just uh, the All Claire Foundation quickly, and then I'll, then I'll pass it along to you for any final comments or words. But the, ladies and gentlemen, the All Claire Foundation is a community of, uh, of responders for responders. And we acknowledge, they acknowledge the diversity in the responder community by providing responders, families, and agencies online support tools uh, at many levels. The cool thing about the All Clear Foundation is that it is, um, the solutions are available on their website and they are featured there. They're also on the apps that you can get at the App Store. But this is for responders nationwide, both from those largely populated areas to the most rural of, of communities. The confidential resources, and, and ladies and gentlemen, again, confidential resources, um, Holger and I could talk about going to EAP and how that's not necessarily confidential. Um, we'll just say that and agree at this moment because we could talk for hours about all of these things. But this is confidential, barring you being suicidal or homicidal um, or, 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 or being seen as a threat to whomever you're having that conversation with, whether it be a peer or a professional, licensed professional. Um, they offer mental health tools to manage stress and wellness that not only will help you combat job-related burnout. So ladies and gentlemen, important things. Um, responders and their family well-being is often compromised by the demands of jobs and weigh heavily not only on your communities, but your living rooms, your family rooms, your dining room tables, your bedrooms. So the All Clear Foundation is, is saying, hey, we're here to help. Holger's saying, we've got tools and we've got resources. And it just takes that first person within your organization to take that first step and you will be supported and you'll be guided through by those that have done train the trainer, by those that are within the organization from Rhonda Kelly to Holger, to the bigger organizations that help support them um, and to the local people and, and, and references that they can help um, sustain the training and the knowledge that you've received. So Holger, the All Clear Foundation has done wonderful things. It's going to continue to do more things uh, for people to get actively engaged. How do they do that? What's the website? Um, how can they, if they need to or want to interact with you or Rhonda, uh, and both of you have very busy schedules. You're right now at a conference. You, you started a new job within the last month as fire chief. Um, but professionally and or um, regarding the All Clear Foundation, how, how can we get in touch with people within the All Clear Foundation and attach ourselves to the All Clear Foundation? 
Yes. Yeah, so obviously, I mentioned earlier our website, allclearfoundation.org. That is uh, probably the best way for folks to get started if uh, they just want to get a better sense of what we're about and to dip their toe in the water. Along with that, we're always looking for places that we can um, uh, deliver the training, the trainer curriculum in. Uh, if your organization or association is interested in having us come out and deliver the curriculum, we're definitely uh, happy to do that. Um, we have some great trainers uh, on our trainer teams. Uh, we're also trying to get uh, that right now in a digital format. So if you don't uh, have the ability to come out and uh, host us that way, uh, we can uh, hopefully soon offer a different way to deliver it as well. And and that also is something that we offer um, in essence free of charge because, again, we don't want costs to be a barrier. We realize, especially at this phase in the progression uh, around these types of modalities, that um, letting people come and see them and experience them is probably uh, as valuable, if not more valuable, than us having an initial, you know, a stream of funding that, uh, you know, pays it forward. And that's why we have these great relationships with these sponsors. The other thing I think that's really key about our offerings that um, is so true, especially in the emergency response profession, is that we could have the glitziest programs out there. Um, but in the end, the most powerful tool that we have that we provide is to give space to a facilitated conversation around these topics. That emergency responders already have a lot of the solutions in their hearts and in their souls, and they just need some help having the conversation, connecting with local resources, knowing what to do when crisis hits, being able to lean on somebody outside the directly impacted area for support, for guidance, for wisdom, and for counsel. And that, I think, is the other piece that I also want to emphasize here. While we are um, a very effective organization, I'm extraordinarily proud of the work uh, that we do. Um, if uh, anybody ever has a chance to meet Rhonda Kelly, you'll know she is probably one of the most uh, professional and passionate individuals uh, on these topics uh, that I've ever met. Um, but we also, with that success, that passion and drive, we, we recognize a couple of things. We don't have all of the offerings. There are so many organizations around the country. We're at the All Clear Foundation continuously identifying those, uh, evaluating if partnership with those organizations makes sense, but also supporting them uh, in, in places where they're already effective. We're not trying to, quote unquote, take over the market or something of that nature. What we really want at the end of the day is for emergency responders to be healthy, happy, uh, feel supported, know that they have the resources and to be able to take uh, the resources that we are so fortunate to have and extend those into different um you know, markets that currently may not have the awareness or the ability to access those. But if there's folks out there that are already doing this, uh, by all means, please, um, you know, reach out to us, see if we can partner with you. If your peer team wants to have a conversation, uh, you want to have a focus group with us, for instance, uh, you can reach out to me um, uh, at my All Clear Foundation email. Um, and that's uh, Holger, H-O-L-G-E-R, at allclearfoundation.org uh, or our executive director, uh, Rhonda Kelly. Uh, it's got the same suffix on the email and it's just Rhonda, uh, R-H-O-N-D-A at allclearfoundation.org.
energy. Uh, finally, we're always looking for places uh, where uh, folks think that we might be able to make something better. So if you have an, a trade organization, a conference, a meeting, uh, peer support training, um, any of those opportunities, we would love to be able to help out and speak at those if you feel that it would support uh, the mission of your event. Um, you know, most times with enough lead time, we can definitely prepare to be there and to have these conversations in person uh, and also for us to learn how we can make our offerings more relevant, more sustainable, um, and more effective. And that's really, you know, back to the beginning of the conversation, what we're trying to accomplish uh, with this focus group, as well as with all of our offerings, is to continuously assess and stay relevant with a very rapidly evolving and dynamic part of our professions. Thank you very much, Holger. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Holger Durr, um, the operations advisor for the All Career Foundation. He's also the current fire chief of Prescott, Arizona Fire Department. This is the EMS Improv podcast where we have engaged, where we have tried to be mindful, and we have heard and shared and told our stories. My name is Eric Chase. We are powered by GEMS. And ladies and gentlemen, um, a tool here. I want to give this to you. If you're in crisis, uh, you can text for this crisis text line provided by the Alcor Foundation. You can text BADGE, B-A-D-G-E, to 741-741. That's text BADGE, B-A-D-G-E, to 741-741 to connect to a confidentially, excuse me, to connect confidentially to a trained crisis counselor. So if you or, or a loved one is in crisis uh, and not actively suicidal, that, that we want you to call 911. Um, otherwise, uh, please reach out to that resource. The All Clear Foundation is doing great work. They're partnering with wonderful organizations. Um, Holger Durr, we thank you for your time. We appreciate you very much for your efforts. And I hope that we get to see you in September or, or Rhonda or both at the American Ambulance Association's um, conference and trade show. Um, I know we've got you in contact with them and or somewhere else. And I will do my best to get you and or representatives from All Clear out here in Oklahoma to do some training. Well, thank you. And Eric, yeah, we really want to thank you for the time, the ability to talk about uh, these topics as well as uh, what we have to offer in this space. And we look forward to continuing uh, to grow um, and these kind of interactions and abilities to showcase what we can do are instrumental in that. So thank you to you and uh, thank you also to GEMS for their sponsorship of uh, your podcast. Um, we look forward definitely to future partnerships and opportunities. I appreciate you very much. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day.